So I want to just start the episode today by just saying how just humbled I am by the response so far that we've received. And I know we've only posted one episode, but just in talking with people, new friends and old friends, uh, of just what we are doing with the show and the vision for it, and now that people have heard the first episode, the response has just been incredible. I never would have expected it. Um, I've, at this point, have about 30-plus people um, who have agreed or just shown extreme interest to come on the show. And we've already recorded, at this time, we've recorded uh, four or five episodes. And what, I've, what I'm doing at this point, when I went into it, I didn't know exactly the release schedule. But it's looking like now we're going to be releasing every two weeks on Tuesdays. Um, that's kind of where I'm looking at now. This may be going out on Wednesday, but going forward it will be for sure um, every other Tuesday for the foreseeable future. So, um, so a little bit of um, housekeeping there. wanted to kind of keep you guys in the loop of where we are and where we're going. Um, but today's episode I'm very excited because this person uh, name is Ben and he is an example, um, one example of the podcast that of having someone on that I truly did not know um, beforehand. And it's just been awesome being able to meet Ben and learning about his background. And the reason it caught my attention was because I was at Starbucks and overheard a conversation and I heard the word private investigator and I just lit up. And I won't get too much into that, but that is, um, we, we talk about it in the show pretty early on. But Ben is a private investigator. And I was just so excited when I, you know, I, I introduced myself and just told him the at that time we had not even released our first episode, and he was so eager to come on. Um, especially um, even after listening to the listening to the first episode, he was even more eager to come on. And he's such an awesome guy. Um, and we we he was very approachable. You know, usually you think private investigators are very you know in the shadows and lurky, or maybe they're not. You know, but maybe they're not the most conversational or friendly but he really disproves a lot of 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 misconceptions we hear a lot about the licensing process and you know some rewarding cases and some just bizarre questions or you know really um really dive into this whole culture of private investigation and what that means and what's the difference in private investigation versus public um you know typical police law enforcement and man, I was just really enlightened. And if I ever need this kind of service, it's it's so nice to know that um, in this case, Ben is actually, you know, we're both basically from the same area. And of course, that's always a plus. But without further ado, Ben. Well, Ben, we made it. I think uh, I think we've known each other about as long as we've been recording this podcast, which at this point is about three seconds. So <laughs> that sounds about right. So you want to tell people kind of who you are? Well, I guess let's start with how did we meet to begin with? You know, that's kind of a funny story. It is a funny story. We were both sitting at Starbucks. I was waiting on a client that I was to meet with. Uh, another another fellow that n- neither of us know reached out, introduced himself, uh, questioned kind of, hey, are you waiting on a client? And of course I said, yes. I guess he could tell by the way I was looking around. Then he then asked, well, what do you do? What business are you in? So I explained, hey, I'm a private investigator. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course you overheard that. Yes. And uh, obviously uh, you and I don't meet strangers. So you reached out and here we are. 
Yeah, so I was I was getting my order, and as people will know, if they haven't gathered already, I'd go to Starbucks pretty frequently because I do a lot of work from home, and it's very nice to get out of the house and have you know, yes. see friendly faces. And I'll do a lot of my like emails and communications and stuff at Starbucks. Um, and I was getting my coffee, the the one they all know I get, the same order, and we'll we'll talk about that. I'm curious to what your go to is. We'll get to that, but 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 I heard you talking to this this other gentleman and. I hear private investigator and the documentarian inside of me, especially knowing I'm starting up this podcast, I, my light bulb, the light bulb above my head went off and surprised you. you. It didn't blind you. I was like, <laughs> I was like, man, I've got to talk to this person. So I just, you know, I just, you know, I didn't interrupt you, but I just said, hey, you know, um, I overheard your conversation. I'm starting up a podcast. Uh, you listened to the we, you know, you listened to the first episode. You said that you really um, enjoyed the format and agreed to come on. So graciously agreed to come on. So I appreciate having having you coming on. Well, thank you for the opportunity. I I, I love the opportunity to, uh, well, first meet new friends, mm-hmm. and, oh, yeah. and and second, anytime I can educate the public on who I am, not necessarily who I am, but what I do, versus what others think I do. It's it's a great opportunity, so I appreciate it. Well, I'm excited about it because I mean I know we've had a we've had a couple conversations leading up to this just because I wanted to be somewhat prepared, and I know it's off the cuff, and we try to keep it pretty unstructured, but I still want to have sure know, come into it not completely cold. But uh, so before we get into the details, the nitty gritty of the private investigation world and the scene, we got to start off. What is your go-to Starbucks? Because Starbucks or coffee, I should say. Yeah. Coffee brought us together, literally. Absolutely. So I got to know, what's your go-to recipe? My go-to is almost always just a a black coffee. However, when I do venture out into the flavor world, it's generally a macchiato or caramel macchiato hot. And caramel, that's actually when I first started. I used to not like coffee, really, until I was about 14. Went on, it was a school field trip for a few days and um there was a starbucks in the hotel we were staying at and i ordered one of my friends said you've got to try this caramel macchiato and i did it loved it fell in love with it and i think that's all i drank pretty much for <laughs> at least about probably six years and then eventually i've evolved down to my current favorite which is pretty much just iced coffee yeah three stevia try to keep this you know keep those calories down mm-hmm. um and cream Half and half. Yeah. So that's my that's my go-to. And I joke that with my friends that I'm surprised they don't have a, a button on the Starbucks register that's called the Austin. Because the Austin they, I mean, button. It's like a, a preset because I'm there just, I'd say at least <clears throat> three, four, five, maybe five times a week, yeah. you know, and that's, but uh, but anyway, so. They don't I'll, ask your name now when you order. They just write it on there. They do. And they just, they'll see me coming. Sometimes they'll have it already made and I just pay for it, you know, but I like to do the mobile order a lot. But anyway, so I wanted to have you on. I mean, it's obvious you hear the word private investigator. It's like, man, like that just, you're so, you get excited just hearing that because you don't come across, I mean, this is the first time I've ever naturally come across a private investigator. Um, and I was just like, I the networker me just lit up and I'm just like I got to meet this person even beyond the pa- the power um, podcast I just wanted to talk to you absolutely um, so the things let's just get started with kind of where well first of all where are we right now well we are currently downtown Rome downtown uh, Rome Georgia of course we met at one of our local coffee coffee shops and uh, and ordered our drinks my caramel macchiato hot and your iced coffee basically. iced coffee yes sir uh. And here we are now at uh, at one of the the, the local uh, 
offices across the road. Yeah, just like a little meeting space, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a nice place to meet where we're kind of, the sound is good for us, and here we are. Yes. Uh, So we are downtown, Rome, Georgia. Well, very cool. So let's get straight into then just what is a private investigator? You know, what, what are you? What do you do? Awesome question, uh, uh, and and uh, uh, I appreciate the question because I think a lot of people hear the word private and then investigator, and they automatically think that we all hide in the bushes and that that everything we do is private. But I think I think it's important that people understand that we're called private investigators because we are investigators in the private industry, meaning non-governmental, non-law enforcement. Uh, I did my time in law enforcement, and thankfully I got that experience. Uh, but I am in the private sector now, which yeah. makes me a private investigator. Uh, so, you know, private investigators and what we do can range from, uh, I, I guess I could get into many details, but I'll just, just to give you an array of some of the open cases I have on my roster now that I'm currently working every week. Uh, one is a divorce case, suspected infidelity. Uh, my job is, of course, as people think, yes, I don't necessarily hide in the bushes, but I'm down the road to, to check, do activity checks to see what somebody's up to and determine whether infidelity may or may not be happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, my job, of course, is not to say yes or no. My job is to gather the evidence and present it to either the client, attorney, or private citizen that uh, has hired me. Okay. But... So, you know, on on one spectrum, there is the infidelity and divorce cases. Another, I have a custody case where my job is to help the attorneys in the court determine best interest of a child. Mm -hmm. Uh, So my job is to do activity checks, of course, on the parents in question to determine uh, if their actions and activity is in the best interest of the child. Another one I have on the roster now is a... I would call it an equivocal death investigation, meaning okay. it was a death surrounded by suspicious circumstances. Uh, the The family has hired me because the, I, I won't get into the details, mm-hmm. but the nature of the investigation, the family feels that law enforcement may have closed it prematurely. Oh, really? The investigation. Uh, my job is not to determine whether they did or didn't. My job is to simply go out investigate all of the facts, uh, review all of the records, review the police's case files, review everything that was involved in that case, and review the decedent's activity leading up to the death and and those who were present. Uh, so I could, you know, I could go on and on, but my job there is is to help the family understand what happened. Okay. Uh, for for closure, if there is such thing, when when you lose a loved one, uh, another one I have on my roster is, uh, which is what I primarily focus on, is criminal defense investigations. And I have about three open cases there. One is an armed robbery uh, case. Uh, my my client is of course the attorney, and I won't get in. To all of the de- details there, I will just say for educational purposes for any of your listeners, if the attorney is my client, there are two Supreme Court doctrines that protect my work, do- my work product. If the attorney is my client, 
meaning the attorney-client privilege is extended to my work. Uh, so as I gather evidence for the defendant and his case, uh, that is protected just as if that was the attorney-client relationship. So the, the attorney is my client, and then they are representing the defendants. So one was the armed robbery. Mm -hmm. Another one is an aggravated assault and a family violence case. Uh, so that's, you can see that the I run the gamut yeah. on, on those cases. Now, again, I primarily focus on the criminal defense side. That is my passion. Uh -huh. Uh, well, and I definitely want to. I definitely want to focus more on the criminal, uh, criminal defense side, and also want to touch heavily on your, or not necessarily heavily, but I definitely want to dive into your background in law enforcement. I know that's a. I'm sure you've got some interesting stories there. I know it, you did say that you wanted to mention a disclaimer um, before we get too deep into the conversation. So absolutely. I just want you to cover your basis on that in that regard. Thank you. Uh, I, I I definitely want to throw this out there. Anything we talk about. Please understand that I am not an attorney. That uh, I have not been to law school. <clears throat> I cannot and do not give legal advice per se. Uh, my job is simply to gather facts. I can share information, but please don't take anything that I say as legal advice. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I just want to make sure that that our our listeners understand that. Uh, I try to put that disclaimer anytime I'm I'm discussing private investigation, what I do, and so forth. Well, that's very. I think that's very important for sure. And you know, but you know, the next thing I wanted to touch on is just a little bit more about your background. Just kind of what, how, what is the what path led wow. you to being a private investigator? I mean, it's not. I doubt it's something at six years old when the teacher asked you, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" You said, "Oh, I want to be a private eye." Never dreamed of being a private eye at that age. However, I did watch Magnum P.I. Okay, well, there you go. Did that, was that a big inspiration for you? It, it really was. Not that not that Magnum P.I., and now, let me say this, some of our listeners now may know the Magnum P.I. of today. That's true. It's kind versus of it's a new show, right? The, it's just it's recently brand started new. coming back out. Rebooted and it. I've watched a couple of those episodes uh, and enjoyed them. But uh, Tom Selleck was Magnum mm -hmm. P.I. Yeah, when I was a child. Mustache himself. Exactly. Mustache himself. Mm -hmm. Uh uh, who is now Blue Bloods, but uh, Tom Selleck, I yep. guess. Anyway, so I did. I watched that show back then. I loved Ben Matlock, uh, which was Andy Griffith yes. in his later years as, as an attorney. Uh, and I loved, but I always enjoyed the investigation side of what they did. Uh -huh. So to, to answer your question, the pathway into this profession is a unique one. Uh, I, I began really as a as a teenager i, I was always inquisitive mm. I, I, n not that that is the only prerequisite to being a pi however it is a good one to to at least get started with the interest but uh i at age 18 i started in preaching ministry so anybody that's ever done that understands there's a lot of research involved in preparing a a, a sermon so i loved the research aspect of preparing sermons uh so there we go there's another research uh but i i married early and and and, and pretty much struggled for several years with who i wanted to be when i grew up even though i was an adult <laughs> but uh after working 
I had a personal issue in my life that came up for which I had to gather lots of details. And I had to present those details to one of our local attorneys who represented me in that matter. Uh, it, it, it was a family matter. Long story short, when I presented everything to him, uh, and I'll, I will throw him throw him a, a bone here. Mm -hmm. uh, it, uh, our local attorney here named Wade Hoyt, uh, he represented me in that matter, and his paralegal, Ann Gore, uh, when she looked at everything that I had brought to the attorney, she said, it, it, well, let me just back up. Uh -huh. During that time, I had been considering furthering my education and, and considering law school. Once I presented all of that to them, uh, you know, we, we, of course, struck up a friendship, similar to what you and I have done here. Uh, and through the years, uh, I, I, would, I would bend Wade's ear about becoming an attorney. And Ann and Wade both sat me down one day and said, have you ever considered being an investigator? And then they went through how I put all of that together. And uh, that's kind of where it started. Oh, wow. So I, I began assisting Wade on some things uh, back in uh, 2003, and the rest is history. Uh, it, Wade, and I keep saying his name simply because I appreciate him so much as a mentor and a friend. Uh, I can get emotional talking about it because yeah. of how all of that came about. Uh, but he pointed me in the right direction to different investigators who could who could uh, of course get me licensed under the state rules uh which is how i've operated ever since and uh you know that pathway ended up with an investigator in cartersville by the name of jim downey uh so i started the pi profession i want to say in 2006. okay uh, so, oh, wow. so to, to try to fast forward this, uh, I always did it bivocationally. I always had another job along with the PI work on the side for years. Uh, <clears throat> it wasn't until, well, in 2013, I went to police academy and took some criminal justice uh, education at Georgia Northwestern Tech and worked in law enforcement from 2013 up until December of 2021, which is at that time when I left law enforcement, all I have done since then is private investigation work and uh, process service oh, wow. uh, for local attorneys, which kind of go hand in hand. A lot of the folks that you have to serve papers either don't want to be found <laughs> or they just are difficult to find simply because they move a lot. Yeah, I can imagine uh, that would be. So the investigation uh, experience comes handy for that work as well. Uh, so that's that's kind of the pathway. It sounds a lot more boring than it was. It was oh. an interest. It was an interesting trip uh, from from twenty from two thousand and six until now twenty twenty three. There you go. Well, and I love how and so often necessity truly is the the mother of of innovation. Absolutely. And I just love how you through your personal experience and your own personal needs you developed you had this this skill or this you know just sort of natural fit in this private investigation path in this career and then that, that someone in the law area law space you know kind of opened your eyes to that i Absolutely. love that story and you know 
Um, sometimes it just takes somebody on the outside to, to kind of look at you and be like, I think you could potentially, you have a, you know, there's some, a lot of potential for you in this area. Um, and one thing you mentioned that kind of I was interested in, you talked about licensing. So tell me a little bit about that and why can't any Joe Schmo just say, wake up one day and start selling themselves as a <laughs> private investigator? What separates you from, from strangers or, or randoms? Absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, now, when I first started, I did not understand, of course, those licensing requirements and things. Uh, so thankfully, Wade pointed me to the investigator who did know all about all that. Uh, uh, long story short, uh, to be licensed, first, I had to either acquire a company licensure, a PI company licensure in Georgia, or I had to be licensed under someone who held a company licensure. Uh -huh. And so that's how that began. And I, I was licensed under, of course, Jim Downey that I mentioned. Uh, and he and I worked together for, for many years. And then... Uh, uh, so to answer the question, why can't just any Joe Blow? Well, the licensing board in Georgia, now there are different licensing requirements throughout the, the United States, different states. Uh, so, so I can only speak to Georgia with any knowledge per se, but here in Georgia, in order, in order to actually practice as a PI, you have to you have to hold that license one way or the other, either the company or the employee license. So, uh, so I actually currently hold an employee license under Shan Burnett, who is uh, Hindsight Investigations, which I thought interesting. Hind Light. Oh, that's interesting. There you go. Uh, but uh, Shan was gracious to allow me to work under his company licensure with my employee license and a company called InfoQuest Information Services out of Connecticut, who is also company licensed in Georgia. So they do two different things. One, I didn't even mention earlier in the gamut of different services PIs offer. One is insurance investigations. Oh, that's what InfoQuest does. So insurance, like for insurance, insurance fraud, fraud okay, and, and things cool. of that nature. So if you said you broke your leg, my job would be to go out and make sure your leg was actually broken. Make sure you by don't doing see me playing volleyball exactly. at the local park or something. So <laughs> exactly, uh, or or chasing the dog and and things of that nature. That's interesting. But, well, before you go too far, I want people to so some of the noises you're hearing. We're not in a nature scene today, but we are in an office space, and so the people we have people walking past us. We have elevators and we have doors opening, which and uh, I love it, which is great because <laughs> it, it it you know it, it's still even though. Because not every episode is going to be recorded outside. When you know, we um, I re recently recorded another episode where um, we were walking through trails and we were in the car and we were by a stream and awesome. my buddy um, made literally made iced coffee for us out, out in the woods. out in the wild. Yes, and that's actually going to be released um, on May 9th, That episode, but I'm very excited about that one. But um, but yeah, so and we're not in a studio space, even though we are inside. So. It helps. I find that it helps people, and I've gotten a lot of feedback. Is that it helps people that come on the show feel very comfortable. Absolutely. I mean, we're just literally sitting in a waiting room or uh, in this office space here. So I just just wanted to point that out. Yeah. And I'm just it's kind of touches back on why I'm so excited about this podcast. <laughs> we didn't have to meet at a studio. Absolutely. You know, and um, it, it's one of the places that I actually meet with clients. So it was it was definitely good for me. Yeah, uh, and very you're comfortable. From, and you're familiar because I want my whole point with this is to meet people, meet people where they are. You know, I don't want to have to people to come to my house or find a studio space. You know, 
It's just in a setting you're comfortable with, so it's therefore going to produce typically would produce a better quality conversation. So absolutely. So I just wanted to touch on that, um, and also give a little tease of what's to kind of come in episode in, in a couple episodes down the road. But uh, so I'm, next thing I'll, I want to go. I'm can, sorry. can I just say one thing on the licensing requirement sure. that that I missed? Sure, sure. There are, there is training involved. You know, the licensing board requires that any PI to hold. To hold an employee license has to have at minimum 72 hours to initially be licensed as an employee. So 72 hours of, of actual training. Uh, and then the company licensure, there is a, a test that the Georgia Board of Private Detectives, who works uh, along with the Georgia Secretary of State's office, uh, the Georgia Board of Private Detectives are the ones who who proctor, I guess, or I, I'm not sure I'm using the right word, but they're the ones that administer and ensure that any company licensure holder has taken and passed that test. Very cool. uh, so, so to say, to, to, to answer that question uh, in, in short form now, uh, there is training involved to ensure that people have at least a, a, to a minimal amount of knowledge in the field to, for ethics uh, and and some of the field training uh, in different facets of the business. Uh, Very cool. If that makes sense. To make sure that we're upholding the law, to make sure that we're not out breaking rules, yep. to make sure. And, and then if somebody has a complaint, one of the reasons that board is there, if somebody has a complaint, they have a, you know, there is a place they can send their complaint. Well, I'm glad we talked about, touched on this because, I mean, that is, I mean, if people don't know that, I mean, I think that's critical because people, if they are potentially considering hiring a private investigator, Absolutely. it is nice to know that you you do have to go through extensive certifications and making sure that you're they're not going to get in you know in legal trouble because of hiring someone who doesn't know what they're doing because that's a, that protects your clientele, your clientele. Absolutely, as well. and there's a lot of people that are great, have great intentions, and want to help people, but if they don't have that base knowledge yeah of how to help people without harming them yeah uh it, it can cause a lot of a lot of trouble absolutely so. i can't even imagine so as far as the criminal defense side i mean have you would you want to dive deeper into the criminal defense side because i know in our in our couple conversations leading up to this is there anything about the criminal defense sector that you want to dive deeper into or have you covered have you pretty much covered everything you want to talk about in that regard oh my goodness i i, I am passionate enough about criminal defense work that that I could probably dive extremely deep so you you keep me out of the deep waters however <laughs> okay so well, I guess let me let me narrow the question I guess is because the, the main concern or the main point at least in our you, you had mentioned to me that you wanted to bring it was how that maybe be different from what people people might see on the yes. TV, television and film when you think of like Magnum PI as you mentioned the criminal defense side yeah might be different than what you might expect to see on TV or something like that. Absolutely. Now, uh, and, and I can even put that in a parenthesis with some of the other cases on my roster uh, and the differences between them. Well, we'll even go back to the Magnum P.I. I think I remember an episode where he was picking locks mm -hmm. and actually sneaking into people's offices or houses, which is just highly illegal. Mm -hmm. uh, no, no investigator. Uh, well, there may be some doing it. However, if they are, <laughs> they they should be punished for it. Uh, because, you know, one thing we need to know is 
how to how to operate within the law. So let's just say this. Uh, now back back to answering the the specific question. The difference, I guess, between my criminal defense work and any of the other. The reason I'm so passionate first about criminal defense work is one because of my time in law enforcement. Now I am not a police basher at all. Okay, I have lots of friends in law enforcement. I learned a lot during my time in law enforcement. Some of the best people I know I worked with in that profession. My job as a criminal defense investigator is not to make the guilty innocent, and it's not to make the police look bad. My job is basically to put a specialized set of eyes on a case to ensure, to ensure that no stone was left unturned. Uh, for instance, some people are charged with, let's say, aggravated battery, when in fact it was not an aggravated battery, it was a simple assault. My investigation may help uncover the facts that both the prosecution and the defense need. Well, what is the difference in those two things? Because I don't know. Uh, okay. Uh, well, an aggra let's just say a lot of people hear the word assault and they think, well, somebody put their hands on you. Uh -huh. Okay. To have a simple assault, nobody has to put their hands on you. you. They just simply have to put you within reasonable proximity of receiving an injury. Wow. Uh, so you could even, even if you believed you were about to receive an injury, it can still be labeled simple assault under the law. So like if somebody was being aggressive towards you. Absolutely. That, and threatening you and getting up in your face. Yes. Threatening to hit you, even though they don't, they could maybe swing a punch and intentionally miss. Yeah. Just to scare you. That could be. That could be a simple assault or a disorderly conduct. Now, uh, and, and, and the two, the way the two read in the law, and I, I can't quote it verbatim. Well, who can? Uh, but. Uh, but the way the two read in the law are very similar. However, to move from an assault charge to a battery charge, for it to become a battery, there has to be contact. Okay. Uh, so one of the things I do on the criminal defense side is I go out and actually, uh, and, and listen again, I, I do not bash law enforcement, okay? I, I want to make sure I caveat what I'm saying with that. Because they are strapped. I've done the job for several years. Law enforcement is strapped for time. They're strapped for resources. They're strapped for manpower. Uh, so one of the reasons I believe my job is so important uh, to our legal system is because, again, I'm another set of eyes and another set of experience, another viewpoint to come in and gather evidence. So one of the ways I do that is I would go and of course, uh, I follow what is called a component method. Okay. And there are about six components in that method. I won't get into all of those, but, uh, and, and I check every one of those boxes. And if they're not checked, my investigation is not complete. Uh, so it, it, in order to do that, you know, I, I, I wanna hear from a defendant if I can, I want to hear from a victim. I want to hear from any witness that may have been within proximity of this crime. Uh, well, one thing I would, this kind of makes me think, it's something you said in, in, in one of our previous conversations was 
you came across as very unbiased. Like, how would how would you touch on that? Because like you're talking about hearing from the victim, hearing from everybody. Absolutely. So what does because you're not going to persuade or bend bend the truth for the sake of the person who's hired you. Correct. And I, that's a very that was a, not that I not that I had thought you would or a private investigator would or should. But that was something I'd never really thought about. Yeah. But you think, oh, I've hired this person. They are going to make me look good, even though it could be untruthful. Absolutely. Uh, a lot of people have the have this idea that my job is to work specifically for the person who paid me and make sure the story is in their favor. Mm-hmm. When, in fact, my job is to be completely objective. My job is to gather every fact I can gather uh, and then I present those facts in a in a in a detailed report uh, with each one of those components uh, taken care of in that report. I present it to the attorney. Then the attorney goes and decides what to do with it. Okay, and I uh, lo- I love that. I mean that's but that, I do think that's a very at least I had never thought about that, and I'm sure that's that's just a really good distinction to be aware of, kind of for people to know. Like you're Absolutely. not going to come in and you know make stories up, or you know you're not a you're not a storyteller. Absolutely, you're not a fabricator. You're a objective party that, and I just think that's that's, that's really really awesome. I really like that. Um, I respect that, and I'm you know I try to be the same way. Um, I try to live a very objective life. Yes, you know, so I I, I find that it. At least on my, in a, from a personal level, being as objective as possible, it keeps my stress down. I don't right. really get angry. I really, really, really try to see, um, obviously not in the legal sense, but everybody's side of the story and not if somebody's coming at me or someone honks the horn at me or someone does something to me, I try not to think, what? why are you doing this to me? I try to think, what has happened to this yeah. person to cause them to react? Are Absolutely. they having a bad day? You know, instead of... If someone does something to you, or they or they they act out, or you know, and you you know, just think of how much better it would be for them if you if you smile at them or you would return kindness to them. Because if they are having a bad day, that could really turn their entire day around. And if they are just truly a, a bad person, then there's no better form of Absolutely. response than a smile to a to a hit, and whether it be meta, you know, literally or figuratively. You've just reeled me into the very next point. Uh, You've set that up perfectly because one of one of the things that my investigation is intended to do is provide mitigating facts. Exactly along the lines of what you just said. Let's say that my client is guilty. All of the evidence I've gathered suggests my client's guilt or the attorney's client's guilt. One of the things that my investigation also does, hopefully, is provides the details for how this happened, why this happened. Mm-hmm. Because not only do, do does our court system decide, not only are they fact finders <clears throat> in determining guilt or innocence, but the other thing the court does is determines sentencing. Mm-hmm. So the facts I've gathered may help with that. Uh, there are, you know, the law provides for mitigating factors, mitigators or aggravators. Uh, so, my, you know, of course, my facts may say that uh, this person has, the, or the facts may say they're all kind of aggravators, so to speak. Uh-huh. But my my investigation may also have uncovered mitigating circumstances that that led to this. So, 
for instance, it would say then, here's why this defendant ended up where they were doing what they did, so to speak. I love that. I love that. So the next thing I wanted to kind of get into, and you may, you've touched on this a little bit, but I want to sit specifically on the misconceptions, and that could be the funny misconceptions, the serious ones. Like, what are the biggest misconceptions that you come across from people? Oh my goodness! At least in how they, how the public perceives private investigation, private investigators. Oh my goodness! That that maybe is maybe the top three. We don't, you know. Yeah, that 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 is interesting. I'll, I, and I think we touched on it a little bit. Uh, one of the, I, I would say probably. The number one misconception we touched on a little. People think that we're out there doing whatever we have to do to get whatever we need to make a story the way our client wants it to be. Yeah. And that's just so far from what we actually do. We we are truly objective fact finders. We actually go out and gather object facts objectively, and those facts are what they are. And then we present them so that the client knows the truth mm-hmm. and, and the true story. Uh, <clears throat> just a quick, for instance, I had one client who just swore that her husband was involved in an extramarital affair. Uh, she hired us. We went out, and uh, it, you know, the only thing we could report to her was he goes to work, <laughs> he goes to the gym. Uh, he goes to church, he goes out to eat, and when he does, he goes with his children and he goes with a few friends, but none of them of the opposite sex. And all we could report was the facts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and which is another reason you probably want at least a morally grounded investigator because some guys could take that client's money because they just really want you to stay on that case. When in fact, mm-hmm. one of the things we do in our report is make recommendations. And on that report, my recommendation was, I think we should close the investigation uh, because after three months, there was no evidence whatsoever. So, for instance, that to answer that question, the misconceptions, I think she really thought we could go out and make him look guilty. When, in fact, what was about to happen, she was going to divorce him. Uh-huh. She was wanting more of the assets in uh. this divorce. And, okay. and I think she thought we were going to go out and help her achieve what the, her goal. Paint a picture that was more exactly, you know, geared towards making her look better and him look worse. So I like this very. What would would you say? I would think a common misconception would be in, that people, especially TV and film, make almost like private investigators look like vigilantes. Yes. <laughs> uh, I mean, that is. Would you say that's a big misconception? I, I think you probably are are right on track. Uh, I think that is a huge misconception. People do, I think, at times believe that we are those vigilantes that, again, do whatever we have to do to get justice according to our client. You know, when in fact our client's idea of true justice may not truly be <laughs> justice. Uh, but we're not. We're not vigilantes. We're not out trying to. I'm not sure I can find the right words. Uh, well, like to, for instance, do you have to get like when I think about vigilantes, like they're like you said, they're picking locks, they're breaking in windows, yes. they're they don't have search warrants, they don't, you know, there's 
doing all these things that typically you think, oh, a police officer needs a search warrant. Do you do, do private investigators need search warrants? Well, and you, you've, you've just mentioned a very interesting uh, thing about this profession. One thing we don't do, we, we don't get search warrants. Mm. We actually, uh, that, is, that is one of the governmental investigative arms tools. But where we come in is to ensure that that warrant was gained, was obtained legally. Okay. And then to make sure that the warrant, to make sure that, for instance, if I'm on a criminal defense case, the police have initiated a search warrant. One of the jobs I do is to ensure that, number one, as I said, it's obtained legally. Number two, ensure that they, they stayed within the scope of what the warrant said they had the authority to do. Uh, and then number three, to analyze any evidence that they did gather during that search warrant and to ensure that it's within the scope of what the law actually prescribes. Like, for instance, like what if somebody approaches you and says, hey, I think my child is being abused, verbally being, being verbally abused by his teacher. Like, what would you do in the sense of that? Like, that's a public place. Absolutely. Would you, could you, how would you approach that? You know, you, in terms of like police officers, would they, they would need a search, I would think. I don't know. But like if somebody says, I, I think my child is being verbally abused by his teacher. Great question. Now, now you, you formed it perfectly this time on this example. Uh, now, even the pol both the police and private investigators can do a certain amount of search without a warrant. Uh, meaning, yeah, the law allows anything I see from a public place. For instance, we're, we're in an office building now. I can look out this window, and anything I can see out this window is within public view. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't need a, a warrant or any legal prescription to observe any of that out there. Uh, let's, say that I, 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 uh, let's say that I did observe uh, that abuse across the road inside the other building. Mm -hmm. Well, if it happened in front of an open window, that person had no reasonable expectation of privacy because of where they were and where I could view it from. Uh, that, does that make sense? So I, yeah. nobody needs a warrant to see or gather the evidence. If you can reasonably justify that anybody could have seen it, you didn't have to, you didn't exactly. invade, you didn't, you know, um, no invasion in, of invasion of privacy or anything like that. But now, what if the client specifically said, "Can I need you to go in the school and take pictures of this or video recording of this happening?" Like, which is which is a you you you've just framed that one perfectly as well. Uh, now, the police, of course, could initiate or at least try to achieve a warrant from from the court to go in and and even set up cameras and things of that nature, mm -hmm. uh, where a private investigator has to use a little more finesse. Mm -hmm. uh, I actually have to go in and get permission from some some authority within that institution. Okay. Uh, now, if I obtain permission, I can put the cameras wherever needed as long as it was within what they said I could do. Uh, so we have to make a lot of friends. Oh, okay. Uh, that's, that's one of the... And a lot of, uh, again, one of those misconceptions... Uh, are that we're out there with the tattoos and the muscles and we're just kicking butt and taking names yeah when in fact we're probably some of the friendliest people you'll ever meet yeah because we cannot obtain what we need to obtain or accomplish what we need to accomplish by making enemies
Well, and I love that. And it's like, because you see it on the TV. Like, if someone came, you know, if a fictional private investigator, in my mind, you know, had to get into a school to take video recordings of a classroom, you see them breaking in through the air vents and they're <laughs> crawling through these air vents, air ducts that just are almost like how nobody, no one, nowhere is going to have air vents that big. You can't crawl through that. But they're <laughs> sitting there, you know, so it's like you can't, there's this certain level of like, at least in my mind, it's like that stuff just is just yes. ludicrous, you know. So it's, I'm glad you said that to kind of you know explain that you do have to go through a lot of the similar. Absolutely, there are people. I want you know. It sounds to me like if people are coming to think to a private investigator to think I can bypass all that legal j mumbo jumbo. Yeah, they're they're wrong. They're absolutely they're wrong. very wrong because one of the things we have to do is research the legal mumbo jumbo uh -huh. to stay within it and, yeah. and operate within it in order to accomplish our, our set goal. Well, and the next thing I want to talk, so, well, I guess one question is, so what, how would you say, other than public versus private, what are the main differences? Why would somebody come to you versus going to the public, come, going to the police? Like, what would you say is the main, if you could sum it up very briefly there, like, what's the main difference? Oh my goodness. The advantage of you versus public? Well, services. the advantage I get uh, the advantage of a private investigator, uh, all that it, it is various. However, uh, I will try to keep this one as as simple and and uh, I have an open case now where again and I think I mentioned it earlier, but the family believed that the uh, that the police closed their investigation prematurely. Mm -hmm. So the advantage there is I can go and continue that investigation, whereas the police have they have to answer to their chain of command. Mm -hmm. In order for them to reopen this, they actually have to staff it and decide, are we going to reopen it or not? Where the family can hire me and then I, as long as I operate within the law, I can continue the investigation. You're just direct. Like they can say, I want you to, if they wanted to say, I want, I think I lost my pet lizard and absolutely at, at the, at the, at the zoo, you know, you could, if, if they wanted to pay you to find their lost lizard at the zoo, you could do that. Whereas no police officer is going to, no, no one's going to do that. Exactly. You know, no public, they're, no, they're not going to use taxpaying dollars to do that. Exactly. If you lost your pet lizard at the zoo, then you could hire me to go out and attempt to find what happened. To that pet lizard now i wouldn't say i'm going to go find the lizard yeah but you'd at least but i, I would at least try mm. uh and even if we don't find the lizard hopefully i can help you find the answers to why we didn't find the lizard what happened to him <laughs> i love it i love that so that that makes total sense that's absolutely and that's actually something i've never thought about either but it but it's something i would ask you know if i were if i needed a private investigator that's something i would ask why why you but then that makes a that makes a lot of sense so um, we're getting close to time here, um, so I just wanted to kind of, the last thing I wanted to really hit on, we have a game. It's not really a game, it's more of a, more of a FAQ. I, I went online and found some just somewhat bizarre, interesting questions that uh, people have asked private investigators on the web, but I just wanted to kind of blindly pose these to you. I've been looking forward to this. I have not let you read these. These are, you know, they're not, they're not insane, but they're interesting questions. So, um, but the one thing I want to do is just before we get to that, what is the typical day in the life, like if you were to, like a typical Monday through Friday, what is what does that look like for PIs or you specifically? Uh, so first thing I do when I sit at my desk is generally prioritize which case uh, based on dates coming up, 
whether it's court dates or, uh, yeah, that list goes on and on. So a typical day, I spend some time in my office uh, doing a lot of research. Uh, uh, I use databases, paid databases, public open source databases. A, a lot of our research is done in the world of the web. <laughs> And many people can do what we do if they know how to go about it. Uh, but then we, because of our licensure, we actually have access to other databases that we pay for. So I spend a lot of time in those databases. Uh, I spend a lot of time analyzing case files. But then I spend some time out in the field, of course, uh, depending on what case I'm working on for, uh, based on my roster currently, with the three criminal defense cases, the death investigation, I spend a lot of time in the field right now doing interviews. Uh, and I, I spend a lot of time researching the people that I'm going to interview uh, because I kind of want to know them before I actually talk to them. Mm -hmm. uh, so I spend a lot of time in their world without their knowledge. <laughs> and a lot of that time is spent in their, in their social media platforms. A lot of it's spent... Uh, learning about their backgrounds, their family members. Uh, I could go on and on and on. Uh, but I, I want to be in that person's world, so to speak. Not necessarily in their head, but in their world to understand who they are, how they operate. Uh, because when I interview them, I kind of want to know who they are so that I understand what I'm... Uh, a lot of my, a lot of interviews, they're, they're, you're kind of reading people while you're interviewing them. Not that we can effectively read everybody but uh so a day in my life is spent a lot at the desk a lot in the field uh and that and, and most of it is done most of it is research based uh and then the actual task of an interview i, I may spend 10 hours preparing for for one interview uh so a lot of it is is preparation and research so not a lot of bombs and car chases and no. <laughs> dodging bullets and, you know, like you might see. A absolutely. If anybody wants to get into this business and this profession, they, if they think that's what they're going to, they're going to be extremely disappointed. Uh, but if they do love, if they do love getting into other people's world, yes, they will love it. So if you love research, if you, you love um, I think networking is a big skill. Absolutely. I, I mean, even though, because I mean, that's kind of what this podcast really stems is my love of networking. So it's, in, I would never would have thought about networking being a critical um, asset for for being a private investor. Absolutely. Maybe, maybe I have a, a, a future and potentially if I wanted to take, <laughs> take a crack at being a private investigator, I love networking. So. Well, I have secretly been summing you up to determine if, if I may could use your services in the future just well, because of what you do. I uh, love it. Uh, you know, I spend a lot of time, as you say, at networking uh, mm -hmm. while I'm out in the field, while I'm doing research. You know, a lot of phone calls, a lot of making calls, a lot of answering calls. Uh, the more friends I have, the better, the better equipped I am to accomplish my goals. Uh, Isn't it amazing how, I mean, what I'm gathering in doing this podcast and just my personal and professional experience is truly relationships Human relationships is the source of success in anything, pretty much anything. Like people say, like with with building a business, like oh, you've got to you know spend all this money on billboards and commercials, and um, which that stuff is necessary to have advertising. But for me, I tell people the main thing 
is get out there, meet people, have a absolutely have a you know in the in the old days a Rolodex, but today just your contacts app should be the, the bigger that list absolutely. of people is, the more likely you are to succeed, and then that should be, I would say, number one, who you know, and not just just not just knowing people for the sake of knowing people, but actively building relationships with that with that list of people. You know, you are absolutely right. So so the networking is highly important. Well, I love that. That's good to hear for me because, I mean, I'm very passionate about networking myself. And uh, so the last thing, one thing that popped in my, I thought of before we get to the game is I just, do you have a, what's your, what you say your most rewarding case that you've cracked or maybe put someone's mind at ease? What's one of your most rewarding experiences as a PI? Oh my goodness. One of the most rewarding that comes to mind immediately. There, there are so many that I could mention, but the one that comes to mind was a criminal defendant in Bartow County who had been charged with a drug trafficking offense. Uh, and I was able to analyze all of the evidence and uh, basically come to find out this young man was present at the place where this crime had taken place. However, he was in a completely different building. Oh, really? Uh, he answered a phone call. Uh, and one of the people involved in the crime actually did call him. He just happened to be friends with the wrong people. Mm. Uh, he answered that phone call, which made it look like he was involved. Well, after I was able to dig into this and even interview the co-defendants, interview one of the informants that was working with the police, uh, I was able to establish the facts that this young man was not present where this happened. Uh, and he had only answered a very quick phone call and then sent them to another person. Uh, long story short, they had him, had he been convicted, he was facing at least 20 years in a federal prison. Uh, when my investigation was completed and the attorneys were able to sit down with the prosecutors, they were able to proffer a deal that ended up with probation mm. because of some of the things he was involved in. Okay. Now, that's not to say he was completely innocent. He just was not guilty of the crime he had been charged with. So one of, one of, one of my jobs is to ensure that people are charged properly. Or, and if not, then to help the attorneys come to the conclusion of where to go with those charges and how to, how to change them. <laughs> that's amazing. And thank you for sharing that with me because, I mean, you know, again, this is not stuff that I had ever really thought about. So I, I thank you for that. Um, so really, the next thing is just we have uh, there's a couple of questions. I want to get to the the game, which is more of a really fun FAQ, web based FAQ today, and then recommendations, and then we'll wrap it up for the day. But uh, so, are you ready for this? Absolutely. I, I've been looking forward to it. So, and I couldn't. There were some on there on the web that I found that were just absolutely bonkers like can you help i think an alien landed in my backyard can you prove help me prove that there this alien spaceship touched down in my backyard there were some really out there ones yeah but um and a couple of these we've actually already touched on like picking locks can i pick can you pick locks so we've answered some of these but one of the like i have a, a couple at least so that i wanted to ask you so that i found online so well, what kind of disguises are you able to you, you see a lot of pi's putting on, well, in Tom Cruise's case, you got the Mission Impossible, yeah. the, the crazy face mask and stuff. We obviously know that's not there, but like if somebody says, can you dress up X, Y, Z, can you disguise yourself for this? Is that, what do you, what do you say to that? Absolutely. At times, absolutely. Now, 
I try to operate without pretext, uh, which is what a disguise basically is, a pretext. Uh, if I'm doing a, an insurance investigation, a, a insurance fraud investigation, and Joe Blow has said uh, he's broken his back, but he's out painting houses under the table. Well, I may go out and put on a construction workers type clothing, uh, it, especially if it's a community where more construct where construction is going on at two or three houses. I may be two or three houses down looking like somebody doing that kind of work <laughs> uh, so that I can see what they're doing. But the disguises are generally a lot more minimal than people believe. Mm -hmm. It generally comes down to I keep a ball cap in my vehicle. I keep a, a second set of glasses so that so that I've changed my appearance just a little bit. You know, you may have seen me now like I am. I may have changed my shirt, my glasses and put on a ball cap uh, as I when I'm doing drive bys or surveillance so that I don't look like the same guy in the same spot all the time. There you go. I love it, and you know, and that's just one of the. And I even I saw that question. I was like, oh, I wonder what what you'd say about about disguises, because that's something you see a lot in the, t the TV and film and stuff. But uh, so, just a couple more things. So, I, um, have you ever solved a case that wound up being just total or maybe even laughable false alarm? <laughs> like some, you know. Uh, I I wouldn't say that I, I wouldn't say that I've solved one that seemed like a total laughable false alarm, but I have, I have ended up solving some or gathering the evidence that was completely different than what my client thought it would be uh so much so that it was laughable for the client and me uh you know for for, for instance one one lady thought her husband was cheating come to find out he was actually taking dance lessons that's why he was an hour or two late every day home from work. He was taking dance lessons so that he could take her dancing. Oh, wow. <laughs> Something that she had always wanted to do. Well, there you go. Uh, so it was, yeah, that one was laughable for both of us. So that's, that, that's a, that, is a, that is something that, that is kind of a TV moment that you have. Yes. I have seen that, that, time, that kind of play out in television and film before. That's funny. Um, okay, well then, so the last thing here is basically the third. What, is, what do you say to someone who says paranormal, like, I, paranormal activity investigators people hear investigation so somebody comes to you you could be like man my husband recently passed away and i think he's haunting me can oh you come goodness. can you come what can you do i i would recommend that they call someone else <laughs> in all honesty uh i i would be i would try to be as kind as possible and say I, that's just outside the purview of the kind of investigations that I'm able to do. And that's my assumption, but there apparently people have approached private investigators for paranormal activity investigations. So, yeah, but, uh, well, that's, uh, so, well, that's all I have for that. And I know it wasn't anything. I didn't want to throw in some, there were some really bizarre ones. <laughs> I wanted you to have some that actually you could respond to. Yeah. But, um, the last thing I want to get to is just our recommendations for the day. Um, what do you have? I know we, this is the one thing I do prepare, ask you to have, you know, what, what do you recommend? It could be anything in the world. Oh my goodness. Uh, on, on the professional side, I would recommend, of course, nobody go to court without an attorney or an investigator. So that's, that's my recommendation professionally, uh, simply because the system is so, uh, robust that it, it it's very important that, that you have somebody that can navigate the system that would be the attorney. And then that you have somebody that actually is doing uh, a reputable and efficient investigation to gather facts. Now, my other recommendation as far as life, oh my goodness, uh, 
Love Jesus. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I, I personally think church is highly important, so that's going to be my recommendation. There have been times in my life when I didn't go to church, and, and my life was not as complete simply because I need that brotherhood. I need that family organism, so to speak, of accountability to keep me grounded as a person. And if you don't go to church, find a group of friends. I think the more friends we have, the more accountable we are to our fellow man. Uh, the more accountable we are, I think it helps keep us grounded, centered, honest, and on the right track. I love it. I mean, and that's, and it, I always find that more people you know the, with different backgrounds, the more likely you are to be an empathetic person. Absolutely, because you're not just seeing one side of the of the of the of your own story, your your little echo chamber, yes. as it were. You know, so I just I think that's important. Just having you know different friends and different friends from different backgrounds and different you know walks of life just really helps you know that empathetic um, muscle in in you know in your life. And uh, to get to my recommendation. Mine is a little more tangible, I guess you'd say, but it's a it's a virtual business card, digital. Uh, oh, yeah. it's a business card that I have. That it's a physical card, but a lot of times, uh, you know, you gotta people just throw away business cards. You yeah. know, you, you spend all this money printing these. cards, and I have one of these virtual cards. It's a it's a physical card, but you just bring it up to a phone, and it has a wireless. You know, kind of like how you pay, like use Apple yeah. Pay, what wireless tapping of a payment. It uses the same technology. And you put it, you put the card near your, someone's phone, and it automatically pulls up a link that they can click on. Goes to your and website, it, and, and it takes you to basically like a virtual business card where they can click to add you to their contact list. Awesome. You're my, like for me, I've got my all my social media, my business website, my personal video portfolio, um, and it's just it's right there. And then I've and it also creates a sort of a raised eyebrow experience. What I like to, the, well, I've heard people use that term as like people just kind of like it creates well, I raised mine when you mentioned it because yeah. I have seen them mm -hmm. I just it's, it's I'll have to show it to you after we're done but yeah so that's my recommendation is and you can obviously if you want to make changes like you needed to make a tweak or add a social media platform you don't have to print new cards you know it just saves a lot of money and frankly I think it's a more memorable experience yeah for people to do that than it is to be handed a card because yeah. cards I mean they actually get, physically get involved in the inner in in the exchange. Yeah, of and the it card. creates an excitement. It creates a, a sense of of uh, creates a memory because people, are like, oh, I've not seen that before, you know. So people are remember, remember you more because it does seem a little more cutting edge and, you know. But yeah, well, very good, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Um, Ple I just pleasure is certainly mine. I appreciate so, it. I'm so glad we bumped into each other at the Starbucks uh, a few days ago. Absolutely. And uh, this has been everything and more than I than thank I you. hoped it would be. So thank you. Well, I I, I hope our, your listeners enjoy it as much as I've enjoyed uh, participating.